Hi, and welcome to episode three of the American Mill Spouse Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Smith. This is part one of two of my conversation with the wonderful Sam Kingsbury. Sam supports her awesome husband, Cole, who's a fighter pilot for the U.S. Air Force. And this conversation was honestly just so special to me. I'd be lying if I said there weren't a number of times when I was listening with a lump in my throat. There are some tender topics and some tough topics that we discuss, and I'm so thankful to Sam for her honesty and her openness, and I know you're all going to fall in love with her immediately, just as I did, just as everyone does. So enjoy part one. Hi, I'm Samantha Kingsbury. I was born on Laughlin Air Force Base. Um, My dad was a first assignment instructor pilot, and I grew up in that portion of a military family. I went on to grow up in New Braunfels, Texas. I went to Texas A&M University. I got my degree in community health. I then went on to get a bachelor's in nursing, and with my nursing degree, I became a cancer care nurse. I'm an oncology certified nurse. Um, I've worked two different jobs in that sector um, that have taken me on different sides of the country because of my husband's job. And then we moved to Del Rio, back to Laughlin, where I was born. And we had our daughter, Sawyer. My husband graduated from pilot training. And we are getting ready to move to Luke Air Force Base so he can fly the F-35. Yay. Yeah. So tell me about growing up as a fighter pilot's kid. So my dad, like I said, was a first assignment instructor pilot. So we spent six years in Del Rio. I think I was actually maybe almost four when we moved. So my my dad was assigned here. And then we went to Luke Air Force Base. Um, which I, it's so weird because my husband, Cole was in, is he's in the 47th right now, which my dad was an instructor through. And then he went to the 308th, um, which was his beef course squadron in Arizona, which is actually where Cole is going as well. <laughs> um, and then he went on to Portales, New Mexico and flew for the 523rd as a Viper pilot. And so is that a still, lot of it? Is that still a Viper base or no? I want to say, well, that squadron was deactivated. Okay, that's a, okay. I think the Vipers are now at Holloman. Got it. That so would be because I haven't really heard about any like current fighter people stationed there. So yeah, I think that it's, I think it's Spec Ops now. Okay. So Cannon, Cannon Air Force Base. Um, so I don't, I barely remember. Luke, but I remember Canon a lot, and it was really cool. Um, being the daughter of a fighter pilot is just something that strikes so much pride in my heart and is some of my first memories. And I think of, even though Cole doesn't like this, <laughs> I think of the Viper as like home. Okay, you know, that's that it was that guiding force. Um, until I got married and fell in love with the Strike Eagle as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that you know, they combat each other in a right. way, um, just as communities. But um, some of my earliest memories is my my mom pulling over on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. And my dad having told her, like, pull over here. 
I'm going to fly over you guys and I'm going to do a wave. And that's just so cool. Like that's something that a lot of people don't get to experience as children. Mm -hmm. And um, even though he went into, he went to IFF after that, he went into the reserves so that he could go on and be an airline pilot. Okay. And that was when you were, how old were you at that point? I started third grade in New Braunfels. So I went from kindergarten to second grade, which I think people think you don't have a lot of memory at that point of your childhood, but I did. So then um, he went to IFF at Randolph and uh, flew the T-38. And so we had some more normalcy, but he never really outgrew being a fighter pilot. It was always so ingrained in us to have that patriotism and pride Mm -hmm. and just not to forget how cool our dad was (laughs) Um, and I can still see that so much in a lot of the people we know including Nicole Uh, Kyle might be a little bit more (laughs) back in that regard but I think Cole will always be like a like the cool fighter pilot as as long as he gets to be course so he'll be fine you know yeah but um so growing up I think we just got the good stuff you know I think as kids you're sort of sheltered from maybe the trials of being a like a spouse Mm -hmm. the long hours the tdys Mm -hmm. fighter pilots are really good at coming home and I feel like making the best of their time sure very true and so my dad definitely did that. And that's a testament to your mom too, that you feel like you really just had the, you had such a good experience with it while she probably was, like you said, dealing with the long hours and that kind of stuff. And that your memories were so positive is, I would imagine some credit to yeah. her for the way she handled Oh, that. I mean, 100%. I think that I never gave her enough credit until... And maybe I, I still might not give her enough credit. I think I re- understand her so much better now mm-hmm. experiencing it on the other end of things. Right. Um, and especially having, it's so different. I think when you're just like you're a military spouse and then you have children, mm-hmm. you know, and I've really gone through that transition in the last year. I think that both sides deserve so much credit. Um, one doesn't take away from the other, Mm -hmm. you know, one doesn't make you any less of a military spouse. It's just another facet that you have to be engaged with. And I think sometimes it is dependent on your personality because I know for me, I'm generally a pretty independent person. So stepping into the military spouse role was relatively seamless because I was fine to do things on my own and I was fine to be on my own and long days. I could fill, you know, and totally, it was a big struggle for me having kids because it's so much harder to be independent when you have kids because you need a break and you need help. And it was not just hard for me to need the help, but it was hard for me to admit I needed the help, if that makes sense, you know? So it was like two different parts of it that becoming like you said it's just a totally different role and I think that there are probably personality types that perhaps struggled more um, pre-kids who thrive Mm -hmm. when they move into the the military spouse and mom role you know where for me that shift 
where I suddenly needed the community, needed the relationships, not just, they weren't just nice to have, they were essential. Whereas other people I think were probably better at establishing that from the beginning where I was just yeah, that's totally so true yeah I was good to um, just be on my own I think that also I would almost argue that being a military spouse you are sort of hailed as this incredibly strong person to take all of this on mm -hmm. and so it might even keep you from admitting that you need help yes. longer because you're like, I'm a strong person. Mm -hmm. I can handle this. I've been ingrained. It's been ingrained in me that I can handle this. So it's almost admitting weakness and asking yeah. for help, which I would argue shows how much strength a person has mm -hmm. and confidence in themselves and being able to admit that like, okay, this is where I'm hitting my limits. Big time. And that was Instead something of exhausting. Right. And that was a huge, huge learning moment for me when I was, you know, when Kyle's deployed and I have two, not even toddlers yet. And I, I had to, one that wasn't sleeping, who would not sleep <laughs> for anything. <laughs> Such but, a cute baby, but would not sleep. Oh gosh. That's what saved her was the cuteness, but it was, um, a big deal for me, for my ego honestly to recognize mm -hmm. that I had these friends I had not only that I had these friends who would step in and help me but who would step in and help me and I would still see me as a strong independent person who can yeah. handle anything because I can handle anything but that doesn't mean I have to handle it by myself I can handle it in the way that yeah is best for my mental health and my girls and yeah totally. that was that was so humbling and I was so stubborn for way too long. I think I suffered much longer than I needed to and much longer than anyone would have wanted me to because mm -hmm. oftentimes they weren't even the biggest of favors. It was just come sit at my house instead of even just like instead of yours so I don't have to get them in the car. Just stupid little things like that that I'm like, no, I can get them in the car and I can do it and we can go because I'm independent and it's just just. You're going for your Girl Scout badge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's because again, there are none, so just stop. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, mm -hmm. that couldn't be more true. And I think that a lot of people in the military spouse community suffer silently because of that, you know? Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that play for every person, of course. But, and that goes for people that don't have children as well. It, I mean, the whole reason we even got a dog before we had kids was so that when Cole was gone, um, and luckily we didn't have a deployment, but on the TDYs that were in, that I could come home and not sit hours in silence by myself. Right. Um, that's something I think that people that, that don't have children, that are doing the military spouse life, so frequently don't talk about. Um, that's really, really difficult. It is. It's a huge deal. And it is, you're right, not talked about enough. And I had the chance to talk to Haley and it was so interesting to hear her perspective because she was on the opposite side of that. She was right. a girlfriend even at the time. So she felt like more of an outsider with that. And it's just, yeah, that's something that to me at the time as a wife and mom, it's just not even crossing my mind 
And I wish yeah. it had, I wish I had known I, because I would, I would have happily said, you too can come sit at my house, you know, <laughs> but we all, we're all so guilty of sometimes just suffering in silence, but. Well, and I think we're, um, we're human and we don't want to amplify our fears mm -hmm. either. I think that, you know, if you, if you say it, then it becomes true. That's very true. And sometimes that's so, the thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah which I don't know how your mom did. Did your dad have a deployment when he, when you guys were kids? He because, did. Wow. Yeah. He went to Kuwait um, and was flying over uh, Iraq. Okay. And so how old were you and your sisters at that point? I want to say I was in first grade. Oh my gosh. I don't have the exact time frame, And um, for obviously, you know, my sister's, and I, but our age difference is really close. Yes. So Stephanie and I are 14 months apart mm -hmm. and then Sydney and I are three years apart. So that yeah. is a lot of kids. Oh my gosh. I having the, the 14 months apart to add, <laughs> I like, <laughs> I cannot get my head around it. I, yeah. for all the reasons I want to meet your mom, I have so many questions <laughs> about how she did that. And maintained her she's sanity. She's so positive. Yeah. It's, it's she has nothing bad to say about it. And I mm -hmm. think that's such a model for the mom I've wanted to be. And the mom I hope that I am is that the bad moments just pass. Right. So um, true. and that when you focus on how good your children are, mm -hmm. then that starts to like really, um, caveat any of their know difficulties because the challenges yeah all kids have their moments That's but she always talked us up and I think that that made mm -hmm. not only a huge difference for us but for her like yeah so mentally because in the same way like you said sometimes it's hard saying something out loud makes it true and I think that goes both ways I think talking positively about your kids and motherhood and their achievements not that yeah. you don't need people to confide it confide in and not that there aren't struggles but I also think totally. sometimes the little things are not necessarily as big and if you're looking at it positively they seem even smaller yeah I think that when you look at a problem and I think that this also applies to being um a part of the air force community is that when you the air force is really you know it's so great Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of challenges and difficulties because your spouse is gone or deployed or works long hours or mm -hmm. just can't be the person they want to be in your life. When you sit there and are constantly focused on the negative aspects of that, that just festers. Yes. Because there, so, because there, quite frankly, are plenty of negative, if that's oh, what you look at, you know, totally. compared to, <laughs> compared to especially if you start looking at people who live, who don't live the military life, you can really start to get yes. down and that can be a spiral. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You just start to spiral and it's really hard to climb out of because yeah, I'm sure, really I think is. we've all fallen victim to it to certain degrees at different times, you know, and I think that's why you, that's also where the perspective comes from because oftentimes you've, it's hard not to do. And you don't want yeah. to be a person. It's not fun to be down all the, the time. 
I know, I know. And I think it just also takes away from some really good moments. Like mm-hmm. I think of our time here in Del Rio. I would never say Del Rio is a city I love. <laughs> but Laughlin is a place that gave me back so much time with my husband. You right. Know? Yes. And so, and I know not everybody feels like that in a pilot training capacity. Mm. But we really made the best of living somewhere that was not ideal for us Mm -hmm. besides our family being so close. Right. Um, And I think that that perspective, if you always like try and find like, you know, the silver lining to things, it makes Mm -hmm. it, it makes it easier. Not, not perfect, but easier. Yep. So I want to ask you about your life sort of mirroring what you had growing up, but first I want you to tell me more about your dad. Well, my dad was like the most incredible human being. I, I think it's so sweet because you met me after I lost him and you can still just appreciate the vibrancy in his life. And I, my dad was besides Cole, my, like one of my very favorite people. Mm-hmm. He was my best friend. He was my confidant. He taught me how to be, to be a good secret keeper, to be a good listener. Um, not to take life so seriously. He was always, you know, the jokester. He was like, a, he really was like a fighter pilot. To yeah. The court. Tell me about, didn't he do the, like the uh, blind pilot thing? Oh my gosh. Yes. This is probably getting so much trouble for this now. Yes. This was when he was an airline pilot. So, um, if people just liked him, he was so friendly and mm-hmm. you knew that he meant no harm, even yeah. though some of the things he did were probably offensive, <laughs> um, including this. So he saw one of his passengers. They had a a service dog. I don't know if they they were blind, but they had a service dog. And he concocted this idea with them that he was going to come up from the jetway with glasses on, like, you know, sunglasses on, and the service dog so his passengers would be fearful that he was blind. (laughs) I think that his passengers got on his plane and were like, the pilot's not blind. Right. I mean, I have photos. He sent us photos of him with the dog. He would do stuff like that all the time. That's so hilarious. But he, yeah, he just always had so much fun with it. And he probably got in trouble for some things, but he just Mm -hmm. didn't care because it was about having fun. Mm -hmm and making light of things um because you know people are nervous flying planes and this was post 9-11 so people mm. were really nervous yeah and I mean so that just... probably didn't help that specific <laughs> bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but he would even no have it's people... so true yeah he would even have people come he always told me he'd tell people that were really afraid to get on a plane that mm-hmm. like had clinical anxiety he would ask them you know what are you what are you scared of and they would say we're we're afraid we're gonna crash mm-hmm. and he he would tell them well just so you feel better you're in a metal tube with two with you know so much jet fuel and two fires on top of it and I was like and he said it worked for them weird like what that yeah. they should be more afraid of that or what yes how funny He's like, you're more, that's more, that's more fear inducing than us <laughs> crashing. He to like push them past their like physical capacity for fear at that point. 
and just yeah, probably. sent them into some numbness. <laughs> yeah, but he used to do stuff like that all yeah. the time. And so, um, I mean, that's why I miss him so much. And mm-hmm. for some context for people listening that don't know me, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer um, about two months after Cole and I got married. Mm-hmm. And within eight months, he, he died April 16th, 2016. Mm-hmm. And I was 24. Mm-hmm. So it has been a loss that we continue to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been a loss that I grieved a second time when I had Sawyer, our daughter. Sure. Um, it is so hard to go through every stage of life not having him there and not truly being able to imagine what he would be like. Sure. Um, it's extremely hard to not have him for all of the questions I want to ask him about being the kind of spouse that Cole needs. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, because he did give me some, like the small amount of time I had with him while I was a military spouse, he did give me great advice. And so it would be really nice to ask him now. Yeah. What to do. (laughs) Right. I think so, he would have a line of us at the door with questions. <laughs> yeah, that, and he would have, like, he would just captivate you with his storytelling. Yeah. He could tell a story, like, oh, I bet. nobody else. Mm-hmm. So, Ugh. yeah. He sounds so great. <laughs> and so was that a big motivator for you going into oncology? Actually, no. Um, so... Oncology really confuses people. So oncology is cancer services, Mm -hmm. just for anybody listening that doesn't know right off the top of their head what that is. Um, In nursing school, I got most of my rotations at MD Anderson, which is like one of the number one cancer hospitals in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I was thrown into that. And that's actually where my dad was treated. Oh, wow. Okay. After he was diagnosed. And so this is, again, one of those things where it's like, I am so thankful for the Air Force because I got offered a job at MD Anderson because I'd done so many rotations there and I loved it. Mm -hmm. The staff was really receptive to me. And so they were like, please come work for us. Mm -hmm. And it would have been on a leukemia floor. Okay. It wouldn't have been in pancreatic cancer, luckily. But I look back on that and I'm really thankful because I can't imagine working in a hospital that my dad was being treated at. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I took my first job. Um, the week before he was diagnosed. Okay. And does that, are you still, does that make it harder now to do that? And do you, are you still glad that that's where you've been specializing up to now? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I, so I worked on an inpatient floor for a year, mm-hmm. close to a year, and it was all during his diagnosis. And then I had to work for two or three months after he died, which was really, really difficult. I was not in a good place. I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing that, having not experienced that. And that's just part of your saintly spirit that you would even be called to do that. But let alone after going through that, that just seems completely unimaginable. Well, I mean, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Part of it was I was locked into a contract and probably... (laughs) would have quit. And I luckily could walk away, um, debt free because of the air force, because I was on orders. Okay. And so we got to Idaho for our ops assignment. And I was like, I'm never going back to oncology. I'm Mm. never going to be in the face of that. That was truly awful. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was applying for jobs and I was highly qualified in cancer services at that mm-hmm. point with MD Anderson and then working at a trauma level one hospital. Right. Um, and I got turned down for almost all of those jobs that I wanted. The only job I got picked up for was a cancer service job hmm. in an infusion center. And I was just like, okay, well, I guess the joke's on me and <laughs> I need a job. You know, yeah. I can't sit here without, cause we didn't have kids. Mm-hmm. I can't sit here and just do nothing. Yeah. And so I remember even going into my interview and I just felt like I was, I was like faking it until I, you know, could make okay. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that job ended up being my dream job. Oh, yeah. You know, and that, those patients saved me That's a lot awesome. more than they realize, you know, they're so appreciative. And I think that's something that people, they think of cancer services as something that is doom and gloom and it can be, mm-hmm. but they are the most kind, receptive human beings. And they will, they appreciated me as their nurse mm-hmm. and they felt like I was doing so much for them and they just don't realize how much they did for me. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. So I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I love it is there's so many silver linings to that job and you get to see mm-hmm. people that were the opposite of my dad and got to walk away cured. And that, that really heals my heart, especially when I see parents of people that are mm-hmm. around my age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try really hard. I, I have only done it once where I, because you know, you're really not supposed to be like, I understand. Oh. As your nurse, I've been through it. You yeah. really shouldn't. Um, I tell them when they ask. You're so you're not supposed to. Are you are you not supposed to volunteer that or what? What's the general guideline for that? So more so, and there's not like a guideline. It's more so what they teach you in nursing school is that that moment is about them. Okay. Okay. And when you say things like "I understand" or I've been through something similar. It minimizes their situation and what they're going through. And so I always volunteer if they ask me how I got into this and what keeps mm-hmm. me in this. Um, or just getting to know me because you see these, like in my situation, I saw the same patients very frequently. Right. You know, you're an extended member of their family. They bring you Christmas, like not gifts, but like food. Sure. Yeah. Um, you get their Christmas cards. you know, things of that nature. And so, so you know them, but you just try to be very careful and respectful that it's their experience, their process. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And that's probably a fine line because I would assume I would find so much comfort in that. If you, you know, if I were in that position, if I knew that my nurse had been through that, but you're right that maybe not everybody wants it, but. Yeah. But I try to show that in other ways. Like I, Uh, nursing can become sterile if you're not careful. Oh, I bet. In the sense of like, you can become very callous. And there were different points in even my short time doing it that I was burnt out. And Mm -hmm. so I would would be more callous, but I would always try to take the time, even if I was busy, if I could tell someone was having a very tough time Mm -hmm. to be like, how can I treat my dad? how like and mm. that would have been sitting down and and telling the like patient like I know you're in pain mm-hmm. like please don't be a hero like let me help you yeah and so 
that's, I guess, how, like, I would bring my dad into caring for my patients. How he's a part of that journey for you. And that's such a healthy way of doing that for something that could really sort of unravel you having gone through it. The fact that you can take him as your example and not as um, not taking the patients as a reminder, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, totally. And I mean, when my dad was sick, I tried to be really hands-off. I let my mom really, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it'd be very easy to be like, I'm the nurse. Okay. I'm going to try and take command of this situation. Yeah. And so I let them, and luckily I was far away too, mm. but I was, I very much wanted that to be my mom's thing. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be his daughter. But at the same time, and this was really not even on his team or on my mom, but he just let himself suffer in pain so much that I just never wanted another patient to experience that. And so that was kind of my way of paying that forward. Do you think that was just a pride thing or? No, I think it was a misinformation thing. Um, He was in a research trial Okay. and I think he was under the impression, we sort of figured this out later, that if he was on more pain medication in his mind, he thought he would be disqualified from the trial. Interesting. Okay. Which is such an unfortunate. Yeah. Like unfortunate doesn't even measure up as far as a word. It's just like tragic. Absolutely. To think of, to, yeah. Well, so I didn't want anybody else to have that misconception that Mm -hmm. they couldn't be treated yeah they were well that's a big deal because I know I think in general a lot of people go into any kind of medical situation and don't want to be a bother or don't want to be overly needy you know there's a that's there are a lot of personality types that would manifest that way in a medical situation so I think to have someone like you who's reassuring and making people feel well informed about what's available to them too you know so that nobody else has to go through that not understand. yeah totally I think that we're all pretty um, medically illiterate yes as a whole um even as a nurse I mean I, I think having a baby has made me be like I don't know anything <laughs> I know I know my specialty yeah and sure. I know nothing else <laughs> <laughs> so. you're just regular you're just like the rest of us and everything else <laughs> yeah yeah. So don't call me for your medical advice. <laughs> Got it. I still will though. I'm still going to. Because yeah. I mean, else, I'll totally answer the call, but yeah. I'll if be nothing like, else, your bedside manner is absolutely killer. So even if you don't know, <laughs> I will still feel more calm having spoken to you. <laughs> I might be able to talk you back from the like WebMD Google cliff. Well, let's, let's recall when I was in labor and the <laughs> husband was updating everyone. And if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, there was like an update, something like, you know, it's time to push or something that she had, that he had updated everyone with. And then, and I didn't know this and I'm clearly like busy and not keeping track of what I need to remind him. Preoccupied. Yeah. He did not follow up with anyone for like no. hours. hours. No, we thought hours. you died. And we thought you died for sure. I thought I died. And my mom called you. <laughs> right? She called yes. to like talk her down, right? Who <laughs> at this point, I mean, what a testament to your personality as well, because I um, had met you once before then. I think like, yeah. uh, my doughy eyes, I think sealed the deal. See, my mom fell in love with you. 
<laughs> but shit, uh, she called you. I is. love parents. Ugh, I know. Parents love you. I was thinking I too. Know. That part I, is true. Um, yes, she adores you and did from the minute she met you. And I adore her. <laughs> so I love, I love your parents, both yeah. of them. So sweet. So anyway. with that, with a little bit of background about your dad, tell me what it's like right now, what it feels like for you and as much as you can, what it feels like for Cole to sort of be walking in those nearly identical footsteps thus far. Yeah. Well, so it was kind of a a path we didn't think we were going to take because Cole was a Wizzo and the Strike Eagle. And we really thought that that box was checked. We were done besides the fact that he was in the Air Force and then we, he got picked up for pilot training. It's a little eerie. <laughs> I think I'm a little superstitious <laughs> in the sense I'm like, you know, ops, like let's not reactivate the 523rd so that can be an F-35 squadron too. Like let's not do that. Um, right. <laughs> but it's really cool. I think he, Cole, I think Cole could suffer, but doesn't. Um, because that's really hard to fill those shoes. And luckily my dad and him loved each other. They, Mm -hmm. they really, I think appreciated and respected, respected each other, but it would be hard to follow in those footsteps, especially, you know, there's weird things that happen. Like, um, the first time he went into the 47th at Laughlin, my dad's pilot training photo was up on the wall. Mm -hmm. And then he when he went I don't think I've told you this but when he went oh maybe I have when he went to the 435th for IFF which is introductory to fighter fundamentals introduction to fighter fundamentals there is now a plaque in the stairwell with my dad yeah two photos of him um as a like remembrance since Mm -hmm. because it has um, his passing on it Mm-hmm. And he actually walked up on his flight commander looking at that photo because one of the F-16 photos is a family photo. Okay. And he said, I know that guy. And his flight commander was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. You see that little girl right there on that <laughs> photo? And he was like, yeah. He's like, that's my wife. Oh, my gosh. You know? and yeah. And so I had to take a moment and be like, that's so great. Oh. Yeah, you know, that we get to be a part of that. Um, it's such. I mean, it is so rare. Absolutely. You know, it's also like a huge comfort um, driving into Laughlin, because Laughlin hasn't changed very much. Right. <laughs> I doubt from the '80s on, maybe even before that. Mm-hmm. And so when I drive up on the flight line. I feel like it could be 1992 and my dad could be walking out to his plane. Yeah. I you know, and so I like mm-hmm. to think of that in a happy way. Absolutely. Um, that time passes and really not that much changes, but it's been great for us. I mean, the Air Force has been so good to us. And my dad, I think, just reminds us that there will be people after us. You know, we have to make it count. Mm-hmm. but it's not everything and that at the sure. end of the day like our family is what matters to us and that's what mattered to him even though this legacy is still continuing mm-hmm. and man it sure sounds like 
somebody who lived life to the fullest, you know, but yeah, I mean, I we're imagine. so lucky that there's no regret, right? Nothing he, he wishes he had done, you know, I feel like he went, went a hundred percent while he was here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. I hope I answered your question. I feel like I kind of went off the rails on no, that. No, I think you did. I think you did okay. great. But, and, uh, and on a side note, I mean, like, Cole just is his own person, which is so nice. Yes. You know, they're, my dad and him have similarities in some ways, but they're so different. And I think that makes it easier just for him to be the husband, father, pilot that he wants to be. And, right. you know, we're just going to help him be the best. Mm-hmm. So that's wonderful. So especially having grown up in this life or, you know, having seen a good glimpse of this life, how do you feel like you've changed since becoming a military spouse? And how is it different from what you thought it might be considering you did see your mom do it for a while? Um, well, to be honest, I thought it would just be all the things to be proud of. Okay. You know, just all patriotism. Okay. <laughs> and no hardship. <laughs> um, so even being like the daughter of a fighter pilot, I just don't think I was all that prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helped my attitude for sure. Okay. But there's a lot of things that are really complicated about it. You know, you just try, for example, with Sawyer, um, when we were trying to do her gender ultrasound, like the plane broke, you know, <laughs> you were sure part did. of that situation. Didn't it? And we, so, we handled that just with nothing but calm and understanding and you and I were loving patient wives back at home. <laughs> Luckily they sent us chip cookies and all was well. You're right they did that was a really good move. They did but that's a perfect example of like you try to make these plans Yep. and people say God laughs but really the Air Force just laughs um, or the plane laughs <laughs>, <laughs> and uh and, you know, people deal with that a lot worse than yeah, sure. either of us. I've, especially having been in this pilot training world, there's so many different airframes that talk about, they couldn't even buy movie tickets without knowing if their guy would get called up for something. Yeah. And, um, that is so, that was definitely not something I was prepared for. Um, yeah. I also wasn't prepared for just some of the fear Okay. that like you're, for me, what Cole's job is, is so cool. Like, I love it. I love, I'm, I am not the wife that tunes them out. Like, I love hearing him talk about yeah. mm-hmm. all of his missions. That's probably something that like, I, my dad was such a great storyteller and Cole does such a good dog too. So yeah, I want to know, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my dad, it had already happened and no fear okay. associated with that. and. So some of the stuff Cole does, it's really cool, but I'm like, ugh. Makes me nervous because it's Yeah, it makes me nervous. You're going to go do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, like, we're, you know, we're global response. We're leaving in a week. Yeah. And you wake up and you're like, is today the day? Are they leaving today? Do I have to put on a brave face, say goodbye, make -hmm. sure they know I love them, make sure they know they need to come back or I'll kill them. Right. Or <laughs> that I talk Kyle to. And at the same time being like a meaningful goodbye where like it might be like a real goodbye. And it's so hard and because you 
yeah, you can't, it's not sustainable to say, yeah, to, to give the backstory. So global response, essentially, for those who aren't familiar, they were, they're tagged at that time as the squadron that would go immediately if needed. So the squadron mm -hmm. that's assigned as global response rotates. And when you are that squadron, if suddenly something happens somewhere, your squadron would be the one that would go. And our squadron was assigned to that during a time when it was starting to look very likely that they might need to go somewhere. And yeah. so it was very difficult to, like you said, you want to be so intentional and you want to be uh, honor the reality of the Duty. situation. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also not sustainable to go through an actual or even even like 60% of an actual farewell. You know, yeah. you can't do over and over. So it's so hard to find that balance because yeah. you're right that you every day they they leave with a bag in their trunk that they because they might not come back that night yeah. and so and it's just how exactly do you approach that how do you stay sane and still realistic <laughs> I think you just live in like a in denial for a long time mm -hmm. I think you're right or you're just a bundle of anxiety I mean I'm not typically an anxious person and mm -hmm. I felt so on edge, I think, for two weeks. They didn't go. Spoiler alert, they didn't go. But <laughs> it was, I just lived in anxiety. And I, mm -hmm. that's, that sucks, you know? I mean, yeah. hindsight 2020, I hope I wouldn't act like that again. But it's also human. You right. know, like, it's the love of my life. Mm -hmm. And I it's just, funny and I didn't even have kids at that point. It's like, I and I had to ship them off, you know? Well, and at the same time, <laughs> I think, oddly, I was blessed in a way because that was um I'm trying to remember I don't believe Cecilia was born yet no she wasn't it was it was almost a time obviously we had very recently been through everything with Annie after she was born and we're working on sort of like reintegrating her and just I guess just not even reintegrating just first time integrating her to yeah. the real world and um adjusting to her needs and everything that that almost consumed me more to the point where it's like I was I was closer to capacity already you know yeah. like we had, I had talked about a little bit with Lindsay with other things where it's I just think everyone does have a capacity for worry or stress or whatever I think perhaps yeah, we pushed true. closer to that capacity more often but that if there's yeah. other things that are happening as well you don't necessarily dwell and so that's weirdly I think that was weirdly a blessing for me that I was yeah uh, so zoned in on other things that it was it was stressful but it was all I think my mind truly was like that is such a level of stress that I'm not sure I'm going to even choose to fully process it because yeah, that's I fair. Would, I think my head would pop off, you know, like it was just like, <laughs> yeah. I knew where I was. I knew I was, I think, you know, my subconscious kind of knows where my max is and it was, yeah. uh, I was too close to that already to have space for, for what it all really meant. And that's why even when you, when you said the words global response to me right now, I was like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then twice, and that happened twice actually. Yeah. And I, 
I kind of think I, I don't even know if I like blacked it out or I just, like I said, never properly internalized it. Like I probably have because it was a big deal. Well, and it's interesting too at that time because um, you can't, it's kind of like a secret. Right. And so at that point, you aren't really sure who you can talk to for like a spousal support aspect either and you don't have all the details because the guys can't tell you a whole lot and so I think that that also adds to that anxiety and I think I think the way you handled it is probably good in that regard of just like (laughs) well I've hit my my load can't I can't take on anymore yeah and it was you're right there was like that wink wink nudge nudge amongst the spouses because I know and I believe it was the same for you where Kyle came home and it was, I needed to turn off your phone. Same, same. No, yes. to, which is never good. And the second time it happened, I was like, great. You're like, here we go again. <laughs> but because of the secrecy of it, it was, and the, the weight of it, it was not, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, you and Lindsay and, you know, my best friends in the world who were also in that situation, it was not my place to ask you if you knew about this yet. Whether or not right. I was technically allowed to, I, I honestly don't even know, but that's just something that's so heavy and so important to be between spouses that that 100%. shouldn't come from anyone else. So with that, there was a lot of like, Kyle, can you ask Cole if Sam knows yet? And can you ask Zach <laughs> if Lizzie knows? Because, because it, you still need, perhaps more than ever, you need that support yeah. and you need to talk through what a crazy feeling that is with people but you also can't just run to them right away you had to yeah no that's so that's so fair yeah but anyway thank you for answering that question (laughs) yes tell me a little bit about what guides you every day I left you with a cliffhanger I hope you enjoyed part one as much as I enjoyed listening to Sam I always feel so lucky whenever I get to hear her talk about her dad and just how special he was and how special their relationship was. And it's an honor to me for her to share those memories. And I hope you feel the same way. The next episode will be out later this week. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at the American Mill Spouse and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the American Mill Spouse. You can read a little bit more about my interview with Sam on our website, www.theamericanmillspouse.com. And we'll talk to you again soon.